0: Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023, and I know we were all awaiting the return of Brock, but due to unforeseen circumstances, which is just Luke taking a trip to Chicago that we've been aware of for weeks, uh, Luke will be joining me today, and Brock's return will be on Friday. I'm guaranteeing it right now, and if that doesn't come true, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it, it's it's lined up perfectly, so he will be here Friday, but as we're talking, the Champions League matchup, AC Milan versus Inter Milan, is starting right now, and I'm I'm very excited. You know, we'll, we'll talk about this matchup a ton more later, but what a, what a scene at the San Siro! Yeah, um,
1: the atmosphere probably hasn't been like this in twenty plus years. If I if I had to guess, um, absolutely cannot wait to see how this game is going to play out. Um, It's going to be hard for me to focus, man. I'm going to be constantly looking behind me uh, at my TV the entire time we're recording.
0: (laughs) Well, luckily, my TV's in front of me, so I will be paying attention to everything. But, as usual, MLB recap to start it off, and then we're going to lay out all of the MLB statistical leaders halfway through May. Um, And then some NFL news, of course. We'll talk about these UCL semifinal games. And then we have a Premier League weekend recap which we have never done before, but, you know, with it being this early in the season, no use in previewing next week. And we'll finish it out, top three, bottom three, Premier League jerseys. So last week we did the MLB, this week we're doing the Premier League because, you know, we saw how much uh, TikTok enjoyed that uh, that bottom three that we posted, so. Um, they enjoyed it. yeah. Yeah, we were just I, I, I we were just told Yeah. <laughs> we were told never make a list again, I think was one of the comments which I appreciate. I think that that means it's a good list. So without further ado, let's get into this MLB recap. I want to start it off with one of the best stories that's going on right now is Mariners rookie Bryce Miller. This kid is making history through his first three starts. I think the last three Episodes that me and Luke have done, I've had to bring up Bryce Miller because he's just absolutely tearing it up. At the beginning of his you know young career, he has the lowest whip through a pitcher's first three career starts in MLB history with a zero point four two one. He's the first pitcher to allow mo- no more than three base runners in six plus innings pitched in each of his first three career MLB appearances since the mound was set at its current distance in
1: 1893. Wow. And he's a he's a stash guy.
0: <laughs> yes, he is. But this kid just looks insane. And like it's not like a lot of the other young pitchers that we see coming up where, you know, like the Spencer Striders, where it's like the strikeouts and the blow-you-away fastball. Bryce Miller just is very good at locating his pitches, and his sequences are fantastic, and it, it just makes him an effective pitcher.
1: I was about to say uh, 3 days ago he pitched against Detroit and he went 7 innings only gave up 3 hits but only 3 strikeouts. I mean, still a good game but you know, you, like you just said he's he's not really a strikeout guy.
0: Yeah, he has a, a technically pleasing game to watch and I think it's kind of a breath of fresh air. We don't see a lot of ground ball, you know, pitchers in the league anymore. It's all about the strikeout guys and you know, when a guy, you know, puts up 13 strikeouts in a game or 10 strikeouts in a game and he still could give up five runs but people are going to highlight it because of the strikeouts so uh, I think this is kind of a breath of fresh air with Bryce Miller and I'm very excited to see what he has in store
1: yeah I love it he's a he's a great little young guy for this Mariners team sure is um let's see uh Jack Flaherty Yes. Wow. The last game he pitched, seven innings, only gave up three hits, two walks, 10 strikeouts, and that game ended up being an 18 to 1 win for the Milwaukee Brewers.
0: Yeah, I think they had like a, a eight or 10 run eighth inning or something.
1: Yeah, something like that. But I know uh, the Cardinals are, you know, glad to have him back. He's kind of still been a little bit off this season. I think he's got a high ERA. Um, I mean, you know, any kind of positive sign that this guy can be anything like he was pre-injuries is good sign for the Cardinals, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, let's talk about a bit of an older guy here. He recorded his 1,000th different batter that he has struck out in his career, and that being Zach Granke. He joins quite the class of people in that um, in that regard, being Nolan Ryan- Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens as the only pitchers in Major League history to f- strike out one thousand different batters.
1: That's a pretty damn good list to be a part of.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
1: Uh, those are all fantastic guys. I, I liked how Grinky celebrated and not celebrating. I- honestly, looked like he could give a shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, no, he's I, I'm a, like he's
1: a weird guy. But I, I think. Love him.
0: He might have said this in the past, or a lot of people have said it, that he just doesn't like baseball.
1: <laughs> yeah, or, or like attention or something like that. I mean, yeah. I, I think I know what video you're talking about, and I've seen it before, um, and it was really interesting. But, uh, yeah, Grinky's just uh, – he's an enigma, man. We love him in the MLB.
0: He really is. Grinke. But let me keep it with some more historical stuff. Though we're only three quarters of the – or, you know, though we're only a quarter of the way into this season, the Padres currently have a – Point two zero three average with runners in scoring position. It's the lowest for any big league team since, you guessed it, the 1969 Padres hit for a 200 average with runners in scoring position in the franchise's inaugural season.
1: Oh, interesting. And I mean, that's a super team over there.
0: Yeah, they just can't get it done. Look, they can all get on base, but they're not hitting them in. I, I think... Maybe me and Colin talked about this last week, that their RBI leader as of like last Tuesday was Matt Carpenter with 17.
1: Wow. That's pretty low, actually.
0: Yeah, considering there's numerous people in the MLB right now with 30-plus RBIs.
1: And uh, just to kind of keep it on the Padres, perfect segue here. Um, Manny Machado got... um, Hit by a pitch, it looked like on the wrist, it was like a slider that hit him in the hand or something like that. He did play two more innings at third base, but he didn't get a hit, get a, an at-bat again because I think Ruben O'Dore was the one who pitch hit for him. So hopefully Manny Machado is okay, but um, that's a huge bummer for the Padres.
0: Yeah, it really is. That, that sucks. Um, let's keep it in the division, though. The San Francisco Giants are the first club in MLB history to record 11,500 wins. Wow. That is crazy. And, like, yeah, of course, you know, they're one of the original franchises and and all that, but it is amazing to see the success that they've had.
1: Yes, it is. And I'm going to segue into a non-player. I've been hearing a lot about this guy. And, honestly, as the season has progressed, I hadn't even really noticed he's been gone. Angel Hernandez, Grayson. It's mm-hmm. only umped one game all season long. Good. uh, Good, but not really for a good reason. It's back injury related. Of course, I don't want to see Angel Hernandez hurt, but I would much rather him not be, you know, chosen to ump games because he's, you know, complete dog shit rather than actually being hurt.
0: Yeah, like that um, sucks. But, like, I have back pain. I'm not going <laughs> to. I got to turn down the opportunity to do my job. Yeah,
1: right. I, I mean, uh, he he must be just sick of all the all the media. I would be too.
0: Yeah, I don't blame I mean, him. You know, when you he, suck at your job and you're constantly broadcasted to millions of people, you know, it, it probably sucks.
1: Have you um? You know, I, I know you've been to a lot of baseball games. Have you ever seen like one of the bigger umpires in a, in like any of the games you've actually gone to? I'm
0: I'm sure I have. Um, you know, there's always, I don't know. That's, that's something I've
1: never really paid attention to. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever been to like a Joe West or like an Angel Hernandez game before.
0: I don't think I've seen Joe West. I, I think I've seen Angel Hernandez. I don't think he was behind the plate, but I'm pretty yeah. sure I've seen him. Um, and some, like, there's like a bunch of big umpires. I, I can't really think of them off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure I've seen like CB Buckner. Um, yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. So uh you know, I, I don't remember all of the umpires I've seen, but I, I do think that was a great question.
1: Gotcha. Um I'm yeah. gonna keep it going. I want I want to take it to something a little bit more positive real fast because I, I fucking hate Angel Hernandez. Um Mother's Day, there were so many sick like messages that players had written on their hats and like the cleats, dude. I don't know if you've seen any of them. Yeah, but uh, I think it's uh By Bayan Byron? De La Cruz? Uh, Brian. Brian Daily Cruz. I just spelled it wrong on my notes. That wasn't even <laughs> Um, he Um pronouncing. His cleats were absolutely sick. I think that was the one that had, like, his mother's face on it with, like, a message. I absolutely loved it. Vladdy um, had, like, a cool message written in Sharpie on his hat, and it was just, I don't know, very precious to see. Yeah. All the
0: pink I, bats were cool. I loved it. Yeah, Cunha hitting an absolute dick shot with a pink bat. Um, <laughs> love it. I, I did love the video of Lars Newtbar, uh in the booth uh, for, I think it was Sunday Night Baseball, and they brought his mom on, and she, like, on, like, a video call. That was amazing. Aww. Like, Lars Newpar got very emotional, so it was, it was nice to see. So, Big shout-out to what all of the clubs and, and uh, you know media coverage for Mother's Day. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah, and just shout-out in general to all the moms out there.
0: Yeah, shout-out moms. Couldn't be here without them. Exactly. And then um, let me talk some – let's go back to the negatives real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the, the Oakland Athletics are horrible. We already knew that. <laughs> but it, it's finally reflecting in the attendance really badly. Uh, they announced a paid attendance of 2,064 the other night.
1: Oh, man. That is
0: their smallest home crowd, outside of 2020, of course, since September of 1979.
1: That's just like, I, I don't know. That's just like a bummer to hear. I, yeah. I love the fans, and it's just, it, it just sucks.
0: Yeah, well, they better enjoy driving up to Vegas.
1: That that's right. Wasn't it, Um, I, I saw a clip from 2019, I think the A's were in the playoffs, or it may have been like 2016 or something, I don't really remember, but the stadium was fucking rocking for a playoff game.
0: Yeah, like, when they're doing well, the fans like to show up, but obviously, you know, when they're not, what is there to watch? And when they're playing this bad, there ain't shit to watch.
1: But wouldn't you say that, like, there are some fan bases in this league that would show out for their team even if they were playing like the A's right now?
0: Um, I think Yankees.
1: I would say the Braves.
0: Uh I don't know, like I there was numerous times when we were really bad that I went to a game at Turner Field and it was there was some empty sections. Oh wow. But also like when I was going, that's like the the mid 2010s, you know, early 2010s, like we had been bad for like 10 years. Yeah. So there wasn't much to go and watch. So I, I don't blame them. But, like, yeah, we could still pack it out, you know, here and there. But nowadays, like, selling out every game.
1: Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Um, <laughs> I want to go back to a positive for me. Speaking of Yankees, Anthony Rizzo. Holy shit. He was named AL Player of the Week. In seven games, he went 12 for 27 batted a 444, two doubles, three home runs, three walks, and an OPS of 1.315. Damn. Crazy. Crazy, crazy.
0: Yeah, those are some crazy numbers. This one, just a crazy stat here. So Joey Gallo, in his nine-year MLB career, entering, I believe, yesterday or the day before, had ten ground outs to the third baseman throughout his entire career. And in his first two plate appearances – The other day, he grounded out to the third baseman twice.
1: I love baseball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember like a couple of years ago when he was still with the Rangers, like it it took, I think it was like his sixth year in the MLB. And it was like the first time he had popped up to the first baseman. Really? Yeah.
1: That kind of reminds me of like, um, I I don't know if I sent this to you. uh, I, I came across on Instagram, this Don Mattingly stat that like, he had never hit a Grand Slam in his entire career, but, like, in the middle of his career for one season, he hit four and, like, never hit another Grand Slam again or had not hit one before that season.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely remember a point in time, it's probably still true, that Ozzie Albies in, like, two or three years into his career had more Grand Slams than Freddie Freeman. Ow. But yeah, there's so many like intricate stats that come out of baseball. I feel like baseball is it's so easy to find statistics because like everything is so like certain.
1: Yeah. Where it, it's, it's like you either work. you
0: either hit it or you don't. You got to second or you did <laughs> like it, it's kind of that fact or like you got a strikeout or you didn't. Like it, it's very definitive outcomes where you know in football like it's hard to make a stat out of like throwing a touchdown because yes, there's a ton of things to factor into it. And I think that that makes it different, but this is a one-on-one sport when you think about it. Yeah. There's, you know, nine guys in the field, nine guys hitting, but it's a one-on-one sport between the pitcher and the hitter and then the hitter and the fielder. Like it's really not that crazy. And I think it makes it very interesting to see like the intricate stats that can be made of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that take.
0: So, to to hop on some more stats, the Braves hit five two-run home runs on Monday night against the Rangers in a 12-0 shutout win. Watching that game was ridiculous. Like, I just, it seemed like every other inning, I was getting a notification on my phone because I was doing some work, so I didn't really get to watch much of it, but it was like, this person hit a two-run homer. This person hit a two-run homer. And it was like, what the fuck is going on? But meanwhile, while all of these home runs were being scored, Charlie Morton had a vintage showing. 6.2 innings pitched, 7 hits, no earned runs, 1 walk, 10 strikeouts.
1: I was just about to say, I, I hope you mention this guy, because, like, obviously the bats kind of outshine Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's 39 years old? Yeah. Wh- what? Yeah. Wow. Okay, sorry I got caught off, but I'm glad you mentioned that because he absolutely showed out against the Rangers, but dang, that sounds like an entertaining game. The ball's flying off the bat.
0: Yeah, and then like we got to see Sandy Leone on the mound. Um, Position players pitching is always fun. I think we saw three different position players pitch uh, last night across the league. I think Mike Brousseau pitched um, as well as one for maybe the Red Sox. I can't quite remember, but um, yeah, Sandy Leone gave up a two-run shot to Ozuna. Um, every one of the Braves home runs was at least, I think, 415 feet. Oh, so yeah, they were absolutely shitting on the ball, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad to see it because I don't even want to talk about what happened this weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, (laughs) I was pretty bummed out about that series too, but anyway, on a, on a more positive note. Uh, on Monday, Aaron Judge hit two homers versus Toronto. That's his 30th multi-homer game. He just passed Alex Rodriguez with that stat. Arod yeah. had 29.
0: I think that puts him fourth all-time. Either or in the Yeah, Yankees. fourth or fifth. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember which one it was. Um, but uh, I want to talk about what Shohei did the other night. Uh, Monday's game, Angels versus Orioles, Shohei had the hardest hit ball at 114.6 miles per hour. The longest distance at 456 feet. He also had the top pitch velocity at 99.3, and the most swings and misses as a pitcher with number ten. Though he did not have a great game on the mound, that is absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, we could we could have a whole episode on this guy. He's just a complete freak of nature.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I gotta say, I gotta be honest, he's looked very bad on the mound. Uh, I think he's given up like. Three plus earned runs in his last four starts, but still a crazy thing. And, and once again, he makes history. Comes the first pitcher to reach base five times since Mel Stottlemyre for the Yankees on September twenty sixth, nineteen
1: sixty four. Wow! Did um, I'm just looking at a picture. Uh, I think after the home run, did you see the samurai hat that they put on Shohei's head?
0: Yes, oh,
1: that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's awesome.
1: Um, well, that I, I, I ran out of my MLB recaps. So yeah, I got a
0: couple more to. things. Uh, so, fun fact here. Through May 13th, four of the five teams in the AL West were above 500 uh, record-wise. But the division as a whole was 10 games below 500 because of the athletics.
1: <laughs> Ruin it for everybody else.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's fucking... Oh, my God, dude. Like, they're... I can't understate how bad they are.
1: Yeah, this is a uh, horrible team. But hey, when you give away Sean Murphy and Matt Olson to the you know to the same team and watch them you know play really well, yeah,
0: and Matt Chapman to the Blue Jays,
1: I, yeah for, I, Matt <laughs> Chapman's been another guy too. Yeah, oh, they're just a they're just a bummer franchise right now.
0: They really are. But I gotta ask you about this, Luke. Saw some oh. a little suspicious. From your boy Aaron Judge. Uh Uh-oh. So, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, during the game against the Blue Jays, he was about to, like, the pitcher was about to pitch the ball. And you see Aaron Judge look at the dugout, like the Yankees dugout. He, like, turns it, like, you see his eyes move to the dugout right before the pitch was delivered multiple times. And then hits a home run immediately after that. Okay. and go ahead Sorry. Uh, it's it's just very weird, and like he's been having like he was also like in the game like kept talking to the dugout from the on deck circle throughout the night
1: i so that that's funny that you brought that up because I hadn't heard about this until I was at the gym today, and I was actually watching the Yankees highlights on the screen, and I noticed that Aaron judge like this is without any knowledge of what had happened. I've noticed him look over into the dugout and I'm like, he kind of seems a little bit unfocused for, you know, to, to be at bat. Why are you looking at the dugout like that? then he hit a home run. I was like, is he, is he really that good for him to just like be side-eyeing the dugout and then just blast a fucking home run or is something else going on? Personally, you know, I got to defend my guy here. Aaron Judge, you know, every interview, he, he's up there like Jeter, very well-spoken, very, you know, leader and team-oriented. He d- does not seem like the guy to tip or to cheat, but I, it looked pretty fucking fishy.
0: Yeah, it looked really bad. And, like, he got asked in the press conference right after the game, like in the clubhouse, and he was like, oh, there, like, a lot of yelling coming from the dugout and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude. I don't know, man.
1: I mean, it, maybe, maybe something will happen in the future and, you know, we'll have a little bit more of a clear answer. But if, if this is like a one-time thing for a while, then I think that we can probably just say that, you know, we can trust Aaron Judge. But if something, you know, continues to be fishy the rest of the season, we may have to look back at it.
0: All right. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you now so that when you see the article from The Athletic after the World Series is over, we're all on the same page.
1: Dude, <laughs> you know I'm just going to deny it, no matter <laughs> how no matter how factual it is. It's
0: all right. Every, <laughs> hey, everybody's, no cheating cheating. everybody's cheating. Everybody's cheating. Right. right. <laughs> but let's talk about the minors and not those ones, the minor leagues. <laughs> we can expect a few prospects to be coming up. Uh, we passed the 45-day threshold for rookie status. I'm not going to get into all of it. It's all service time shit that nobody wants to hear about. But let's talk about a couple of players that are playing in the minors right now. Let's start with this Red Sox prospect, Sedane Rafaela. He stole seven bases for Double A Portland today. Or not today, sorry. Uh, I believe it was either yesterday or Sunday. Uh, he went two for three with two walks. He stole second four times and stole third three times.
1: In one game? Yeah god looking like a ricky henderson out there
0: yeah and then another guy in the minors uh you've probably never heard of him his name's gary sanchez uh he's playing (laughs) in syracuse for the mets um and since signing his minor league deal with the mets in four games he has 13 at bats he's batting 462 and an ops at 1478
1: yeah i i have no problem with gary sanchez i'm glad that he's still having success hopefully he can come back to the majors
0: yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know if the Mets specifically need him, but if he's going to hit like this, they could definitely use any help they can get.
1: 100%. All
0: right, I got to rant. I have to. <clears throat> so, just kind of scrolling, social media and everything, preparing for the episode, and I see this headline. It says, Rays Randia Rosarena joins growing list of stage-hogging athletes disrespecting the game. Okay, so I look a little more into it. It Comes from the New York Post. Comes from this guy, uh, Phil Mushnick. Um, so I read this article. I get into it a little bit, um, and you get to about the, the uh, an early part of the article where he's talking about you know sportsmanship, whatever. He he's obviously just being like a grumpy old man, but then he says this, and this everything that I say is going to be quotes directly from this article. He said, as of last week, the three most celebrated and rewarded American female athletes, and keep in mind, this article is about Randy and Rosarena. So don't forget that part. Rewarded American female athletes in recent times have been Serena Williams, Megan Rapino, now LSU basketball star Angel Reese, who ostensibly is an amateur, though suddenly enriched by NIL deals, All of them have the same character traits conspicuously in common. They are obnoxious, conditioned, low-roaders who once would have been rejected for their antisocial, desensitized public conduct. They are all unbashedly vulgar, they are all rude, rotten winners, and they have all been antithetical to the minimal ideas of their sports and all sports, and they are a turn-off to those who know that oh my god, I can't even read this. The nation and the kids born and raised to excessively ugly scenes and words that so clearly afflict their social growth to maturity. This was said in an article about Randy Rosarena ruining baseball.
1: Yeah, get shit on Randy Rosarena.
0: So, yeah, that really had to do with him. He's just being a fucking misogynistic old fuck with with that. Like this has nothing to do with what you're talking about here. And then he barely even says anything about Randy Rosarena. Like, let's see. um, He goes on to say still nothing about Randy Rosarena at this point in the article and says, how do we fix this problem? It's too late. And then goes to that's why end racism. Roger Goodell invites vulgar and this is all in quotes in word spewing crotch-grabbing rappers to entertain at the Super Bowl. Wow. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> like, what is, what the fuck? So, so first, the misogynistic comments about huge female athletes. And then now condemning Roger Goodell for the NFL's campaign to end racism. That's weird. And so he says all of this and then gets into Randy Orozarena and essentially says nothing. All he did was say that his celebration at third base after he hit a home run where he stopped and crossed his arms was like stupid. And it resulted in Randy getting hit twice and then ends up talking about the NBA by the end of the article. So I was like, this whole article pissed me off because, you know, racism, misogyny, whatever. So. I dig a little deeper. I look at, you know, some of his recent headlines Uh, in the past few months. Some of his headlines have read women's sports suffering through bogus wins by transgender athletes. Women's basketball dragged itself to a new low. Uh, Tiger's tampon stunt proves he's just another jerk. What choosing Rihanna tells us about the hypocrisy of Goodell's NFL classless Bengals chiefs. Trash talk is the latest sign of incivility taking over sport. And the one that really got me that I looked into was sports leagues don't care about social issues, just PR. So, you know what? Let's, let's talk about the social issues, uh, for a second in, in this crazy, crazy article that he wrote. Um, he said some things about Rob Manfred being a socio political activist. um, said some pretty bad things about Kyrie Irving which I don't I don't blame him but um just it's just like riddled with bullshit and and, I, and this obviously became a normal thing and then condemning the NHL's um LGBTQIA um kind of like initiative and just all of this shit like absolutely insane And so I I decided to go a little deeper. And, you know, since he really cares about how social issues are handled, uh, we should probably look at the fact that he himself is a fucking social issue. Uh, We'll start here. In 2012, he wrote an article titled Don't Rely on Media to Evaluate Bad Behavior, in which he said that the Brooklyn Nets, following a partnership with Jay-Z, should change their name... To the New York inwards, and not, he didn't say inwards, he put in and then a bunch of dashes and then S, so it's pretty obvious what he's saying. This is an old white guy. He said that the cheerleaders could be called the Brooklyn Bitches or Hoes, and that the logo can be a 9 millimeter with hollow tip shell casing strewn beneath.
1: <laughs>
0: what? what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> what? Yeah, so, like, this guy is just He's just an old guy who has been writing about sports for his entire fucking life and just chooses to hate them, I, I guess, for personal ben- benefit. But what do you benefit from being a racist, misogynist old man on the Internet? Wow. And and I have some more because, you know, if that if that comment wasn't enough, I dug a little deeper. And for a long time, Mushnik has criticized Stephen A. Smith, And one of the examples of many uh, was this quote. He said, Could it have been that Smith's urban street hip brother yak, which he seems able to turn on and off at the drop of a hat, is supposed to appeal or pander to young urban street talking sports fans? Wow. Like, once again, I have to reiterate this you're an old man who is a sports beat writer. And you are criticizing some of the biggest names in sports, not just the athletes, but in sports entertainment, Stephen A. Smith is a is a giant. And you're saying these kinds of things. I believe this was said in two, around 2007. And then as recent as 2020, he had some interesting things to say about former NBA players and current co-hosts of All the Smoke on Showtime Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes, he said, Two of the worst, most uncivilized acts in recent NBA history, Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes were selected to co-host a show on Showtime that they load with backwards-pointed street vulgarities. What's the point to prove that at 40, they still act like remorselessly indecent slugs? Why the fuck does this guy have a a platform, let alone probably a huge salary from the New York Post?
1: Yeah, it d- doesn't sound like a lot of sports going on with him.
0: No, all he wants to do is condemn the only thing that has him a job. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking insane that guys like this are actually a part of the media and are given yeah. a huge platform. The New York Post is a huge publication that he has been with for a long, long time. And he just continues to do this stuff. Like, he, he constantly either uses with, like, censor, like, like, censoring it or alludes to the use of the N-word and, you know, Jews. Uh, like, it is absolutely fucking insane that he has been working for the New York Post since 1982 and just continues to get away with this bullshit.
1: I'll take his job.
0: I I would love for you to. And just (laughs) a few other things he said, you know, regarding baseball to get back to that topic. He said that Gary Sanchez is too lazy to learn English. Wow. um, And condemned him for using a translator two years into his MLB career. And that Ronald Acuna is doing his part in ruining baseball. So, weird topic here. Um every single time he's talked about a baseball player from what I've seen, um they've all been of uh Latino or Hispanic descent and he's condemning them for doing nothing wrong.
1: Yeah, I once you kind of kept bringing up the baseball players. I I definitely noticed that pattern after Gary Sanchez.
0: Yeah. So I just wanted to put this out here because I, I honestly had never heard of the guy before today. Um, and as I looked into his shit, I just continued to question why this guy not only has a, a job, but a platform and is employed by one of the biggest publications in America.
1: Yeah, the the New York Post should definitely – you said the New York Post, right? Yeah, yeah. It should definitely review some of his stuff. And it sounds like they have a lot of material that they could review.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, Countless things. And, like, I didn't even include some of his other, like, article names. But, like, the one about um, transgender athletes, I read that one. It was fucking disgusting. And the one that was women's basketball dragged itself to a new low was referencing this year's women's national championship for basketball, which was, like, a landmark In in women's sports, like we don't see women's athletics getting that kind of coverage, especially not basketball. And to see all of that on such a big scale and see everybody talking about it, whether it was good or bad, was huge for that sport and huge for women's sport in general. And I, I can't believe that somebody would use that And the excitement, like I was much more excited to watch that women's national championship than the men's. I I had nothing involved in either, honestly. But what I had seen from Caitlin Clark, and what I had seen from that LSU team, including Angel Reese, was nothing short of amazing. And the fact that they were getting the coverage they did and, and hopefully continue to is a huge stride for women's sports. And it sucks that pieces of shit like him are trying to hold it back when it's already been held back for so long.
1: Uh, that that's very well said, and I just wanted to clarify: I was not laughing at the racism aspect of the whole nine millimeter thing with the Brooklyn Nets. I just thought that that was completely ridiculous and just laughed.
0: Yeah, it, no, like and, I, I get it because like it, it is laughable shit. It's shit that like nobody would expect to fucking happen. Like nobody yeah, would I, expect a person, even in twenty twelve, to say something like that.
1: Yeah, it would be the same because I've actually thought about, you know, like, it would be cool if the Hawks tried to become, like, a bigger media market through, like, you know, rap music and how many, like, big, you know, rappers come out of Atlanta. Like, if Outkast could somehow get involved with the Hawks, like, I would be pretty fucking pissed off if someone came after, you know, the Hawks for trying to, like, collab with the rappers. So I completely, you know, I mean, that that's just so shitty. Yeah. Jay-Z is a Brooklyn icon. Why would you not, as a basketball team, want to be affiliated with Jay Z?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like,
1: I, I think that's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't get it. I don't get it.
0: But yeah, like it, just so many things that I read where I was just amazed that this guy like has this place to talk. Like, I get it. Look, look, I, in this day and age, everybody can have a platform. We have a platform right now. Though our audience, obviously not as big as the New York Post. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to say that. But, you know, anybody can give themselves a platform, but it's up to the people that actually intake this material to give that platform meaning. And the problem with him is that there are people giving it meaning. Yes. It's fucking deplorable. Exactly. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get off my soapbox now.
1: That was fun. Awesome. Well, not fun, but you you did a good job. That was well spoken. Thank well you. Well said.
0: I I think 100%. it's absolutely fucking ridiculous that people have to put up with him.
1: 100%. Well, NFL news?
0: <laughs> uh no, MOB statistical leaders first. Oh, me.
1: that's right. We're not doing baseball.
0: No, we okay. are not. But this will be much more energetic. Well, I don't know about energetic, but much more um happy. <laughs> <laughs> So um let's get it started with batting average Luisa Rise of course who else would be leading batters in batting average in the MLB than Luisa Rise but Acuna is hot on his tail at 3.44 but Luisa Rise at 3.82 is crazy and of course he leads on base percentage as well with a 4.37 on base percentage but Acuña is very close in that one with a 4.36 just one what 1/1000 one of a percent behind him so That's crazy. But let's talk slugging percentage. Brent Rooker of the Oakland Athletics has been absolutely insane. He's the only bright spot, you know, or, you know, one of few bright spots for this Oakland Athletics team. Definitely a guy that I think will be sold at the deadline because he's absolutely killing it. The the 628 slugging, and he leads in OPS as well at a 1036, one of three players with an over 1,000 OPS this season.
1: I was about to say, I— if only the rest of the team looked like this guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but let's get into a little bit um, deeper stats. Runs scored Ronald Acuna with 37. Who else, man? Acuna is a leadoff hitter that hits home runs. You know, it's pretty hard to deny that one. Uh, Boba has just one more hit than Acuna with 56. Acuna with 55. Uh, so Boba leads in hits, but Acuna has him in total bases with 94 total bases. That's a, a five-base lead on Bichette and Goldschmidt in second.
1: Dang.
0: And then leader in doubles, Matt Chapman with 18. That's two more than Goldschmidt. It's 16. Um, home run leader as at the moment is Max Muncy with 14. He jumped up uh, past Pete Alonso with 13. Um, let's see, RBIs with Dolis Garcia. Absolutely killing it only player in the 40s right now at 42 RBIs. He's just dominating. Um walks Soto, of course. He has 38 walks already this season. That's absolutely crazy. The only person, you know, only a few guys close, but second place Matt Olson with 33, which is crazy because Matt Olson is second in walks and first in strikeouts. Huh. Matt Olsen yeah, yeah. <laughs> has struck out 61 times. Pretty, pretty brutal, but he's still getting it done. So I, I can't be all that mad. But let's talk stolen bases because this is my second Oakland, Oakland Athletics player. Histori Ruiz has 19 stolen bases right now. He's on pace to be um, well over 60 stolen bases, uh, as well as Ronald Acuna at 17. This is one of the greatest things that has come out of these rule changes is the stolen basis numbers.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that.
0: There's nothing more exciting than the stolen base truly being a huge factor in the MLB.
1: Yes, it's um, yeah, super entertaining. I, I There's really nothing much else I got to say. Imagine if Ricky Henderson played.
0: Oh my God, dude, game. he would already be at 60. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> It'd be absolutely insane. But let's flip it over to the pitching side. Your ERA leader at the moment, Sonny Gray of the Minnesota Twins at a 1.39, followed up by Eduardo Rodriguez of the Detroit Tigers at a 1.57.
1: And another another player that I can just, you know, shake my head and say, where was that in New York?
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those. Yes. <laughs> but your wins leader at the moment Who else than the guy on the team that's the wins leader? Shane McClanahan of the Tampa Bay Rays with seven wins and then a tie for second uh, amongst four people. Joe Ryan of the Minnesota Twins, Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers, and um, Justin Steele of the Chicago Cubs all at six.
1: Kershaw's still going, man. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. I love seeing him play well.
0: Yeah, it's so great, especially at his age. Absolutely crazy. Uh our whip leader at the moment just because Bryce Miller isn't a qualified pitcher is Tyler Wells of the Baltimore Orioles at a 0.723. Wow. Yeah. Uh only a like a handful of guys at the moment under a 1 and uh Wells well under 1.
1: Wells is under 1.
0: Uh, we've got Eduardo Rodriguez, Joe Ryan, Zach Gallen, Otani, uh, Spencer Strider, Dustin May, uh, Clayton Kershaw, Domingo Herman, Anthony Desclafani. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, innings pitched, Logan Webb leads it by a, a, a few innings at the moment. Yeah, uh, he's at an even fifty-nine innings pitched. Uh, right behind him, Zach Gallen at fifty-seven point one. And Framber Valdez following in behind it's fifty-seven even.
1: I, I'm sorry, I Leal almost just opened up the scoring for Milan after just yeah, completely just bullying it. Darmian. Could have been yeah. a handball, but
0: wow. the, uh Nah, I think it hit hit like the hey, there he goes again, back of the elbow. <laughs> Holy Darmian,
1: shit, he's getting worn down by layout. Yeah. I'm telling you, layout is a weird build for a winger, and he's just using it all to his advantage.
0: Yeah, this is. All right, I didn't mean to cut
1: you off. It just got really exciting.
0: No, I, I don't blame you. He's Rafael layout is punishing Mateo Darmian for existing. But let's talk. Yeah, strikeouts. Spencer Strider, 79 strikeouts. He is eight ahead of Shohei Otani at 71. I. Got a feeling he's going to build on this lead every five days. Yeah, easily. Yeah, he's just a machine on the mound. Spencer Strider is, and he just like it, it's crazy because he doesn't have like one of the highest innings pitched. He's only pitched forty six point two innings, and he's got seventy nine strikeouts. That's just absolutely crazy.
1: I'm just glad that he's proving to everyone that he's not a fluke.
0: Yeah. I think it was pretty obvious he's not a fluke. Like, he's got, you know, undeniable abilities. But it's definitely hard to be successful when you have the same, like, a style like Spencer Strider.
1: Yeah, maybe fluke was the wrong word. I think I was looking for, like, he he is not being affected by the sophomore slump like uh, Julio Rodriguez. Or, well, Julio Rodriguez isn't even that bad. He's just not as good as he was last year.
0: Yeah, which Uh, it's just going to happen.
1: Yeah, but Strider, man... It looks a lot better than he did last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, arguably. I, I think they're he's honestly pitching pretty similar, which is very fucking good. Yes. Um let's talk saves. Uh of course Emmanuel Classe. How could he not be the saves leader at the moment with fourteen? That's three ahead of Josh Hader in second place. That is
1: wild. Is uh is Classe gonna be the one to take down Mariano Rivera or is it gonna is it gonna take more
0: Ah, he—he he definitely could, cause he is very young. I—he is twenty-five years old right now, and in his career, he's already got eighty-one saves. So he'll most definitely be at a hundred by the end of this season. I'd be confident to say that. I think he'll push forty. But ah, man, this is—he definitely could. I think he needs to stay on a team that is going to consistently win games. That's a big part yeah. of getting saves. So, you know, if the Guardians isn't working out a few years down the road, he might need to get the hell out of there.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing is, um, you know, staying healthy and and making sure that he can have a really long career because I I think if you're gonna beat Mo, you gotta be I mean, still the starting closer at like what forty one, forty two. Yeah, maybe
0: you need longevity. So,
1: yeah, uh, and obviously longevity is I I think it's. I think longevity is a very underrated thing among all, all sports all across the world. Um but but yeah, to beat Mo, you're you're gonna need to be pitching still effectively into early forties, I think. So but Emmanuel Classe, he, he looks like he could do it.
0: Yeah, if he can keep up putting like keep on putting up like you know, mid thirties into the forties every year, shit. It's gonna be hard to stop him.
1: Yeah, it will.
0: And then uh let's talk war. So for position players, Ronald Acuna. Uh, easily leads 2.8 war. Absolutely insane. Second place Marcus Simeon at 2.6 because I don't really know how to categorize Shohei Otani. Uh, I guess, you know, war for <laughs> unicorns. Um, Shohei Otani <laughs> leads that with 2.7. Uh, it's so hard because, like, he's not up there for pitchers. It's primarily his hitting that's getting him war, but the pitching is obviously adding to it, so that's He's just an animal, but more for pitchers, the leader, Eduardo Rodriguez, 2.5, just behind him, 2.4. Jeez, I'm absolutely – I just had a brain fart. Alex Cobb, uh, the San Francisco Giants. I don't know what I was – what just happened to me. He's at 2.4, 2.3 for Sonny Gray, and 2.2 for Garrett Cole. Um, All of them very close, and I have a feeling it'll stay close for a lot of the season up there at the top. But, um, yeah, that rounds out the statistical leaders. Any other stats that you want to hear the leader for?
1: Um, who, Who's getting, like, assists and put-outs?
0: Ooh, that's a, a tough one. Let me see if Baseball Reference has that on here. Yeah.
1: And I'll, I'll just kind of keep talking. Uh, really, really cool that Alex Cobb is still up there. I, and I, I had to look, it up, uh, look him up to make sure. But, yeah, it is the Alex Cobb, like, that's been playing for a long time.
0: So the leader in putouts right now with JT Romuto uh, of the Philadelphia Phillies.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: and then it's mainly going to be catchers and first basemen. So, more action. Yeah, like, um, yeah. uh, Nate Lowe of the Texas Rangers in second, Matt Olson in third, uh, Jake Cronenworth in fourth, and Martín Maldonado in fifth. So that makes oh, sense.
1: Question. Is there the uh, who's the first um non catcher first baseman on the list?
0: It'll be Nate Low uh, in second place okay. for the Rangers. Gotcha. And then um, assists, Tyro Estrada of the San Francisco Giants has 111. Um, let's, see. let's see. Let's look for outfield assists. Do they not have outfield assists on here? Come on, guys. Okay, so I can get assists by position, but not just outfield, I don't think. See. Oh, here we go. Uh, Nick Castellanos. Leading in assists is an outfielder with six. Um, let's see: Adolis Garcia, Ronald Acuna, and Will Brennan are tied with five uh, for second place. Gotcha. Let's look at defensive war. I wonder if they have that on here. They don't. Damn. Okay, whatever. You ready to move on to the NFL news? Let's do it. All right. Mm. Let's start it off here because hopefully this is one of the last times we've got to talk about it, but it looks like the commander's sale is finally reaching its true conclusion. So the commanders and the partnership led by Josh Harris have entered into a purchase and sale agreement. It was jointly announced on Friday. Um, Purchase and sale agreement calls for Josh Harris and the partners to acquire the commanders from the Snyder family. The agreement is subject to NFL approval, as well as the satisfaction of customary closing conditions. So uh, we're definitely eyeing it to happen within the next couple of weeks. Uh, It'll be officially official that Josh Harris and his group will own the Washington Commanders.
1: Um, I'm kind of surprised that um, the Snyder family isn't trying to, you know, drag things down as they kind of fall here. It actually seems to be a pretty kind of quiet and peaceful, you know, Transition, which is very good, but um, I don't think we should stop here after the Commanders are bought and the Snyder family's out. I think it's time to have an investigation and press some
0: charges. Yeah, it, certainly. It, it, like, And I'm sure they're being investigated right now you know, as yeah. we're speaking. There's probably people from the NFL investigating this, but uh, it's such an interesting thing. I think if Dan Snyder's smart, he does this as fast as possible, gets his – gets his ass out of here, goes to like, Morocco or somewhere where they, like, the U.S. government can't come and get you.
1: Yeah. Epstein
0: Island? Uh, uh, actually, no, that just got bought. Oh, really? Yeah, it got bought. I think they're trying to turn it into, like, a amusement resort? Not where it's I want to take my kids.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna be bringing my kids to that one either.
0: Yeah, that's a bad spot. Bad, 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 bad Yeah, terrible. to take your kids. But Morocco, uh, I, be- I believe... Um, you can go there and the U S government cannot go and get you from Morocco. Well, oh, in fact, yeah,
1: that'd probably be a good idea for Dan Schneider to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not that the government's after it. it's mainly in the NFL, but the government definitely has some play in it, but let's move on because this topic is wild. Um, actually, let's talk about the, the different families and people um, part of this group. So we have Josh Harris, of course, uh, Mitchell rails, David Blitzer, our favorite NFL owner uh, now. I think it's safe to say he's our favorite NFL owner, Magic Johnson. Sir, would it be a stretch to say he's the only one with AIDS?
1: Only NFL owner? Yeah. I well, think actually... Jerry
0: Jones was getting down.
1: Not. Maybe he... I don't know about Jerry. I I think I think, uh, think Ursay though.
0: Oh, what about Robert Kraft? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we know what he was doing in Jupiter, Florida.
1: <laughs> it's, it's always a crime segment, man. Uh, damn. Yeah. Kraft has AIDS.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, actually, no, I don't want to do that because he's like leading the that uh, the stop Jewish hate thing. So I don't want to write this narrative about him when he's doing such great things. Um, that is true. He also who's a, good who's a he's a bad there. owner. It's not Dan Snyder. It's kind of tough. Dan Snyder is just the, the firing range.
1: Yeah, Jerry Jones is controversial, but I don't know if you could necessarily call him a bad owner.
0: Yeah, he's a bad GM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's continue. This is <laughs> – we don't need to speculate on what NFL owners have AIDS. So um, Mark Ein, I don't know, uh, Lee Ainsley, um, Eric Holloman, Michael Lee, Mitchell Morgan and family, Santa Domingo family, uh, Michael Shapir, Eric Schmidt, Andy Snyder. And others, I did make sure to look it up. Andy Snyder, not related to Dan and Tanya Snyder. Very good. Very, very good. <laughs> Though they do um, have the same last name.
1: So who's going to be like the... Okay, so I, I just had to read the first sentence to find my answer. So the group will be led by Josh Harris. So Yes, he Josh is Harris like the is type. technically
0: the, the majority owner. Okay. Um, Dang,
1: We can't switch that to Magic? Is
0: nah, too late? I don't think Magic's got that kind of money. Got to be honest. I got a feeling yeah. Josh Harris is putting up like his own billion. Everybody else just contributed a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: But, yeah, this is interesting. And it, it kind of leads me to ask, um, who's the next big name that you want to see owning an NFL franchise? Because I definitely have an answer and it's a realistic one.
1: Like who I, who I would want to see?
0: Yeah, anybody.
1: Um, I mean... Maybe Bezos would be cool, but okay. I don't. I don't know. I I would need to think about that one.
0: All right, uh, my main one want- is uh, uh Peyton Manning. Um, people have definitely talked about it with the rise of the Omaha Productions with his whole production thing. They're making a shitload of money, um, and like you know with the acquisitions and the um, valuations, like it looks like he could realistically buy a franchise, you know, obviously with some partners, but um, I know there's a few different teams that like, I know people have said the Seahawks are a possible one that, you know, within the next few years could be realistically bought. Um, So that would be very interesting. I guess
1: I kind of have one. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, Kind of with what I talked about earlier, you know, I, have always thought that Atlanta and and maybe I'm just, you know, it's, it's biased because I live in Georgia and I've, you know, grown up here my whole life, but I, I've always thought that Atlanta deserved and needed to be a bigger sports market. And I really think that the way to do that is to get, you know, the rappers that are, you know, very popular involved in the sports team. So maybe a Atlanta rapper could, you know, own the Falcons.
0: That would be cool. I don't think Arthur Blank's going to give that one up, I'll be honest. Yeah, but, probably not. Um, you know, maybe I, – I actually, no, I doubt this. I, I don't think Liberty Media is going to give up the Braves, but I, I believe Big Boy might have some money in the Braves.
1: Oh, one half of OutKast. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, I can't quite remember, but I know he's definitely very involved with the Braves. Uh, I don't know if he has any stake. Gotcha. But let's move on from ownership and talk about commentating. Um, well, actually, no, this has to do with ownership as well. I just remembered, uh, obviously, NFL legend, Hall of, future Hall of Fame quarterback, and the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, is in deep discussions to become a limited partner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, that was reported by ESPN Seth Wickersham and, of course, our good friend, Adam Schefter.
1: I love it. That, that's kind of confusing though, because I thought he had a sour relationship with the Raiders. Because I know um, he was going to leave the Patriots. I think he was like all in for the Raiders, but the Raiders actually backed out on him, like very last second. Yeah. Or something like
0: that. I, I I don't know, but it, it seems like this partnership has you know repaired if it was ever messed up because um, he's involved in a partnership with. Uh, The Raiders owner, Mark Davis, um, on a different professional sports franchise. Um, That might be the pickleball team. That could be what they're partnered on. I think that's the only sports franchise that Tom Brady is a part of. Um, But the big question that's been asked around this is how would this affect his commentating? Because obviously he has that huge deal coming in uh, from Fox Sports. You know, if he is a part owner, how does that affect, you know, what he's allowed to do when it comes to commentating?
1: I don't know what the rules are, but I remember um, when Tony Romo had retired from the Cowboys and got his, um, you know, CBS job, like pretty much, I think the next season, um, you know, they were telling him that he couldn't use, you know, like we, or, you know, like certain pronouns I know, but this would be totally different because Tony Romo wasn't really involved with the Cowboys. Um, at this point. So I, I really have no idea what the rules are uh, with this, but I'm sure they're pr- probably pretty intricate.
0: Yeah. And, and it's obviously just like these like minute details that, you know, would change how it's called or, you know, whatever. But uh, I believe that I saw um, that Fox Sports it, it would be fine with it. I, I think that that's kind of what the reports have been.
1: Well, good, because I honestly can't wait to listen to Tom Brady. I mean, I you know hated him for a majority of his career, but I think he's going to make a great broadcaster.
0: All right, well, let's talk about a quarterback that I've loved for his entire career, that being ex-Falcons and Colts quarterback Matt Ryan. He is joining CBS Sports um, as an NFL analyst. Uh, he'll both be in studio and on games. But Matt Ryan stressed that this is not a retirement.
1: Interesting.
0: So we'll see, but I I got a feeling the retirement will come on air. Think so? Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. I don't know. Desmond Ritter goes down. Who knows? Ah, man, I don't I don't. Uh, we got T- Taylor Heineke. Oh yeah. So that's right. No, I'm not worried. I I I, I would feel bad to watch Matt Ryan. Come back out on the field in a Falcons jersey after how we wronged him. Yeah,
1: but but it might be you know it might be kind of closure though, good closure. Yeah,
0: I think a one day contract thing would make the most sense. Yeah, but you know it's not up to me. I'm not Terry Fontenot, and Arthur Smith, or Arthur Blank, so I don't make decisions for the Falcons. But if I could, that's what I'd do. I like it. But let's get into actual players uh, that are active. Uh the Vikings are trading three time Pro Bowl pass rusher Zadarius Smith to the Browns. His reworked contract guarantees him eleven point seven five million in twenty twenty three, and he'll be a free agent next March. So this is a pretty big move. I think the Browns are like really making a push at trying to be a contender next year.
1: Yeah, but I mean we we've seen, you know, them kind of bring in pass rushers like Jadavian Clowney uh before to kind of like I guess um What's the word I'm looking for? Uh work well with uh Miles Garrett, but you know, Jadavian Clowney was kinda mad with the Browns, and I think he that relationship ended up getting really sour towards the end of his time there. So I, I'm, you know, not too worried about this guy. I don't know. Zedarius, yeah,
0: Zedarius Smith is fantastic. I think it's almost disrespectful to him that you're putting him in the same sentence as Jadavian Clowney, because Jadavian Clowney was never what he was supposed to be. Zedarius Smith is far more than he was supposed to be and has been fantastic for years. So I think it definitely just adds to this defense which definitely needs a little bit of help up front.
1: Yeah, that is true. But um I, I have no problem disrespecting the team that he's going to, so
0: That's fair. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another headline, Bryce Young looks very small. This isn't <laughs> this isn't like news to anybody. He just looks really small. Yeah, they showed some videos from his first ever passes thrown as a Panther. And he looks really small, like there's it's just I don't know, it's kind of concerning
1: Ah uh, man, I, you know like the the Kyler Murray memes?
0: Yeah, oh, Bryce Young I is going to get so many of those. I'm gonna post yeah. them myself. I already have. I've already done it on a <laughs> thumbnail, or I made them super small. So, oh, man. trust that Falcons Panthers Week one, if we get the win, you will see a little Bryce Young <laughs> on second and shorts Instagram.
1: Oh, man, I love it. Um, what The clip that I saw was, I think, of rookie minicamp and, like, all the linemen were in their stance, and then they all stood up, and Bryce Young just yeah. was gone.
0: Yeah, he's so small. <laughs> he's so whittle. Oh, man. Itty-bitty little guy.
1: Whittley whittle?
0: <laughs> what?
1: He's a whittley whittle?
0: Yes, he's a whittley whittle. Um, another thing from rookie minicamps, Falcons running back B. John Robinson is very excited with his place in Arthur Smith's offense, he said that he uses me everywhere. And this is what I wanted to see out of Bijan Robinson. This is what, yeah. like usage wise, that's what I want to see with him as offense. Don't just exactly. make him a primary running back. He can do everything. Let him do it.
1: Yeah, let him do everything because you have Algier and you still have Cordell Patterson behind him. I, I Who? really like. Oh, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say P- Cordero Patterson. Also does everything. So with both of them and Algier, shit, you could have three running backs on the field at the same time, and two of them could be lined up at wide receiver.
1: Exactly. And I, I think, you know, what it comes down to is obviously on draft night, you know, during our draft episode when we were reacting live, I really did not like this pick. Maybe a little bit because of I really wanted Jalen Carter to go to the Falcons, and that was my you know prediction with uh, with our mock draft that we did. But you know, bijan he's the kind of talent that, like, you know, no matter what your team has at that position or, yeah, no matter what your team has at that position with the uh, Falcons having Algier and Cordell Patterson, Bijan Robinson is still a fantastic pick for them. And, you know, just like with uh, what Arthur Smith has said, or no, with what Bijan has said, he uses me everywhere, good. Use the fuck out of Bijan Robinson because you have two guys that are going to be on the bench, a hundred percent ready to go out whenever you need them. So I'm all for you know Bijan being everywhere at all times. Make him tired. Use okay. the fuck out.
0: This is some breaking news, kind of. Um, this came out today. Kidding, I'm just now seeing it. Um, Jackson Mahomes is now being accused of grabbing a woman by the throat, forcibly kissing her three times during the alleged assault then trying to get out of it by offering to help her business. Um, So, obviously, he got uh, arrested uh, and charged with three counts of aggravated sexual battery, but um, it appears that we've gotten a ton more about it, and um, looks like it is very bad.
1: I feel bad for Patrick.
0: Yeah. Obviously, I don't feel bad for Jackson, because this is the shittiest thing you could possibly fucking do, but... Yeah, I feel bad for Patrick. This is a horrible way for his family to be seen.
1: Our first uh, breaking news crime segment here. Um,
0: Yeah, we don't get a lot of these.
1: It's horrible news. man. What a shame.
0: Yeah, what a shitty person.
1: Fuck Jackson Mahomes.
0: Yeah, fuck Jackson Mahomes. I'm going to say it right now. I'm disavowing Jackson Mahomes. I'm I'm man enough to say it. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about a little bit of scheduling here. Not as much scheduling, but more about how bad the Cardinals are. The Cardinals are favored in zero games this season as of now, and they only have three games within a three-point spread either way, uh, both of those uh, numbers being by far the lowest in the league.
1: Uh, get Diop out of there.
0: I'm kind of surprised that the Cardinals, of anybody, are kind of being projected to be one of the worst teams. I, I Obviously, they're going to be one of the worst. I mean... But to be projected the worst.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess in this case it's just sort of you know situational. Yeah, they they may not actually be you know technically the worst team, but with the way that their schedule works out, they may just be completely fucked.
0: Yeah, and I'd say like in their division, there it's like almost a guaranteed six losses.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, well, I don't know the Rams.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with Stafford and Cup and Donald all back.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's
0: true. We'll see. But yeah, the numbers don't look good for the Cardinals. Not at all. Uh Dan Campbell not mincing any words. Uh he said that rookie Jack Campbell should play right away alongside Alex Anzalone. He's one of the few linebackers in the draft. We thought we could get it or we thought we could get it pretty quickly, and it appears Dan Campbell's pretty happy With his uh his second of first round draft picks, Jack Campbell. Awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic to see because especially with like at the linebacker position, it's very hard. You know, it's a hard position to play, and you know the fact that they already have this much trust in him, and you know, you know, we're only through a couple of days of rookie minicamp. Like we haven't seen much, but obviously Dan Campbell's seen enough from Jack Campbell to know that he's going to be on the field.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Dan Campbell, I'm, I'm sure, is a great judge of talent, and uh, that's uh, pretty high praise there.
0: Yeah, definitely. From a guy that said he's going to bite his opponent's kneecaps, I'd, I'd be pretty happy to be on his good side.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to be playing for him rather than against him.
0: Yeah, I'd like to keep my kneecaps intact. I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, me too. let's talk about Quinn and Williams. Um, just more and more drama coming out of this contract situation, He's trying to get a new contract. It's pretty obvious he deserves money. I, I get it. The Jets need to pay him, and that's non-negotiable. They need to pay him, and as of right now, Quentin Williams has removed the Jets from his Twitter bio. Obviously, people love to talk about this and be like, well, he's obviously leaving. This is just like semantics. It's just like some, a little bit of bullshit to you know push him a little bit, make the, make the people push yeah. the Jets.
1: I love Quinn and Williams so much, but I can't stand it when players do this. Deontay Johnson has done it to the Steelers, it feels like, every single offseason. And it's like, yeah bitch, I know you're coming back. The only thing that you're doing is stirring up the fans. I, the team probably does not give a shit whether you follow them or not.
0: Yeah, exactly. And have like, in
1: your bio, so.
0: Well, you guys have dealt with the worst of this kind of effort, which was Le'Veon Bell.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely have.
0: <laughs> so – You guys are pretty used to it. I just,
1: like, you know, getting mad at your team for not giving you a contract is one thing, but, like, I don't know. Like, the whole social media thing of, you know, unfollowing and following and removing from a bio, to me, it's just more, like, it affects the fans more than it does, like, what they're actually trying to do, in my opinion. So, I'm not really a fan, but I love Quentin Williams.
0: Yeah, I do love Quentin Williams. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears. Their general manager, Ryan Poles, said that Justin Fields was involved in the draft process for the Bears – Polls said about fields that I want my quarterback part of the process. I told them what we were going to do, and that relationship is important. I I love that. I I think that, you know, that probably attributed to them taking Darnell Wright um, because some people really didn't have him going up that high. And, you know, the Bears definitely needed an offensive line, but with his quarterback, you know, in the room, I think that that definitely helped push them to prioritize him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I just you you kind of got to treat your your star guys or the guys that you're building around as you know the wife. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. You know, let them be involved, let them have an input, let them have a say, and you know, if if they're comfortable, then everybody else should be pretty comfortable.
0: Exactly. Uh, I I only put this in here because I wanted to hear what you have to say about him. Mason Rudolph is re-signing with the Steelers.
1: Love it. Okay. Like, he. Has more Brain experience injuries? with the Steelers, <laughs> plenty of that. Uh, he has more experience with the Steelers than all the other guys combined. Probably he's you know almost started a full season for us. He's Dog shit, but I mean, you know, bringing back guys like him, especially when they're cheap, it, it's all good for competition. And you know, he can help out the young guys.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: I, I like it. I like it.
0: Let's talk about this. Uh, these two things that PFF put out. It's the NFL's all-paid defense and all-paid offense uh, based on total cash uh, this season. So Aaron Donald and Jeffrey Simmons on the defensive line. Aaron Donald getting thirty-one point seven million, the most of any of these defensive players. Um, and then Jeffrey Simmons at twenty-three and a half, uh, the second most of any player with Joe. Or uh, sorry, T.J. Watt, uh, edge rusher uh, on the other side. Joey Bosa. Uh, Watt making 28, Joey Bosa making 27. Then at linebacker, you have Roquan Smith and Shaq Leonard at 20 and 19.7 million, respectively. At the corner positions, you've got Jair Alexander, Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore at 21, 20.1, 19.5 million, respectively across the three. And then at safety, Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Derwin getting nineteen point one and Minka Fitzpatrick getting eighteen point four million.
1: Gotcha. Would you rather? Would you like me to read the offense? Yeah, feel free. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. So at quarterback, we obviously have Lamar. He just signed that new deal. He's at fifty two million dollars. I love it. McCaffrey, the running back, he's at sixteen million. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and DeAndre Hopkins are your three wide receivers. Tyreek is making 30. Devontae Adams is making 28. And DeAndre Hopkins is at 27.3. Tight end is Darren Waller at 17. Uh, Laramie Tunsell, left tackle at 25. Big money for a tackle there. Quinn and Nelson at left guard is 20 mil. Center, Jason Kelsey, who deserves it more? 14.3 million. Love me some Jason Kelsey uh right guard chris lindstrom a guy that you're Sir. very familiar with yeah 20.5 mil big money there and lane johnson at 20 uh mil at right tackle eagles are paying their offensive linemen man i like
0: it yeah like and to see that. Uh, the biggest thing i want to point out here is that christian McCaffrey at 16 million is the highest paid running back that's the second least money on this entire offense and um the second least of anybody in this whole uh defense or offense.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, only only ahead of Jason Kelsey at center.
1: Yeah, and you know, kind of looking at these lists here, this this can be kind of fun to debate, or maybe it's no, not even a debate at all. I'm taking the defense team. If we're putting this offense against this defense on just one drive, I don't think this offensive team is gonna kick a field goal.
0: Well, I don't know who the highest paid kicker is, but.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just a. Ma- I, it's got to be Tucker, right? Didn't he oh, just yeah. sign a new deal yeah, like a couple be. years ago?
0: I don't think anybody else would deserve it more.
1: Yeah. I mean, who are you taking? The defense or the offense? I
0: don't know, man. This offense would be electric. Think about it, the speed. Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill. I'm kind of surprised Kelsey isn't the tight end here. Yeah.
1: It's. But, uh, it's all going to Mahomes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. But you know, I I don't I don't know. Uh, like that offensive line is scary. Yeah. It'd be pretty hard to deal with. You know, I've definitely seen Lane Johnson stop stop a few top tier edges in his time. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think uh, uh man. see the thing is is like DeAndre Hopkins on Marshawn Lattimore. I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins. And that's that's the big matchup here for me. Um,
1: I don't know, man. i I mean I'm not I'm not saying I'm comparing Mike Evans to Marshawn Lattim or no, Mike Evans to DeAndre Hopkins, but look look what Marshawn Lattimore can do to Mike Evans.
0: Yeah, but DeAndre Hopkins under- he's got that he's got that thing about him.
1: Yeah, that that dog in him. <laughs> yeah, that
0: could be it. That could be it. Uh last thing though, moving on from this. Uh, this was just a fun story. I heard Drew Sanders uh, got a pick six today, or uh, I think it was over the weekend. Um, it Broncos uh, training camp, and that pick came off of Ben DiNucci, their recent signing out of the XFL. Obviously, a uh, former starting quarterback for a game for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, happened right in front of Greg Penner. Um, but after practice, Sean Payton joked, I told Ben, you know, he owns Walmart. You know, Greg Penner being the uh, owner of Walmart and the Broncos. Um, if it doesn't work out here, I'm sure there's a greeting opportunity somewhere at one of his local stores.
1: That's fantastic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's really reassuring for a guy you just signed out of the XFL.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I just like that. That story is so funny when I read it yesterday. I was like, I have to include this because saying that Ben DiNucci is going to be a Walmart greeter is absolutely hilarious.
1: Not even a bagger, not no. even a bonus picker,
0: a greeter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk UCL semifinals. So, uh, we've kind of haven't really had much to say about this match so far. They're back from the half, it's the 52nd minute as we speak. No goals scored. Um, not a ton of stats. Inter Milan has uh, eight shots, um, AC Milan with four. But AC Milan definitely has had more chances, two big chances in this one. Um, it's been a pretty even game uh, on both sides, 50% possession on each side, very, you know, just back and forth.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, for, for it being a nil-nil half, uh, very entertaining first half. Uh, it's, you know, what we've talked about and what we've all expected, it's – uh Super physical game. Um, you, you know, you have a lot of like flopping on the ground, which is always you know entertaining for me to watch, and a lot of defense going on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, surprised to see no no bookings yet.
1: Um. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I, I'm sure once we get to like seventieth minute, it'll start kicking off here.
0: Yeah, yeah. The AC Milan players—they got nothing to lose, so
1: um, no, not at no all. Free
0: two-footed fucking brexit tackle <laughs>
1: yes it's just i you know to kind of speak on it even more um it's just crazy to think that if dzeko gets tired they still have lukaku to go to
0: yeah it's insane that lukaku is on the bench in a two striker formation
1: yeah but but honestly like it makes sense it it, maybe it's just bias from what Lukaku's done to Chelsea. I would play Martinez and Jekko over Martinez and Lukaku or Jecko uh, and Lukaku.
0: Yeah, no, I think that Lataro Martinez and Ed and Dzeko, like balance each other out very well.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And, you know, because it's Jecko is more your traditional striker and uh, um, Lataro Martinez is, you know, your striker, but... He can also dribble. He's a good playmaker, and they kind of offset each other really well. So I like that take.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if what happened here, but I believe Henrik Mkhitaryan went out with an injury. Um, it appears in the 44th minute he was subbed out for Marcelo Brozovic. But still, a lot of playmaking ability on the field for Inter, and I think you know from Inter's side bringing in Brozovic isn't a bad idea. Getting a defensive-minded midfielder, um, you know, just to kind of hold hold the line park the bus a little bit for the second half I think that's probably their best approach with 2 yeah. 20 uh, lead on aggregate
1: and another thing that I've noticed with inter and you know we I, I was kind of talking about this pre-game is your um wingbacks of Darmian and Dumfries are, are elite at almost everything they do they're good at tracking back and playing defense but you know even even better darmian I think is their Champions League assist leader is insane wow. and, and it's all because of you know his crossing ability from that wing back position it's just um enter you know they may not have the best team on paper like they're not going to be you know as good as manchester city or real madrid if you're just looking at the lineups and the teams but enter have a really good setup and a lot of good players that feel fill their position very well
0: okay so um i think you meant frederico Dimarco at wing back darmian's playing like right center back in the five at the back
1: Oh, okay.
0: So DeMarco's is gotcha. playing left, left wing back, left mid, uh, and Dumfries on the right. Gotcha. Oh, first yellow card. Oh, yep, there it is. Y'all? Who'd that go to? Oh.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a yellow card every time. Yeah, that
0: was yeah that tackles a yellow easy.
1: I mean, Lautaro Martinez is captain of Inter. Yes. he is. Wow! Shout out Lautaro Martinez. That's pretty impressive. He's been there for a, a handful of years now. Yeah, but he, I mean he's still young though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well he's uh 25. Yeah. So It's awesome not, not to bad. see. Um so just kind of ideas here being in the 56th minute um how do we see this one ending?
1: I it's, you know, it's not looking good for AC Milan cuz in in my notes here I I kind of thought, you know, okay, so the plan was to record at 2:30, right? Yep. We ended up recording after the game started. Uh and what I what I would have said if we made it to this segment before is that AC Milan really they they needed to start out how Inter started out um, in the first leg and they it needed to at least get one goal within the first like 25 minutes of the game which I know is a lot to ask for but I feel like once you're once you're only one goal down you can kind of rest and sit for you know, most of the game and play, you know, your brand of soccer, you're not having to attack and play kind of like abnormally. Um, but it looks like, you know, the game has just kind of been fast, but slow, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. It, yeah. To go back to your question though, I, I think it's really not looking good for AC Milan. Cause I would have liked to have seen them uh, score really early on at least one goal.
0: Yeah. It would have been a huge help. And uh, I think the, problem right now with how AC Milan is playing is that Inter is meeting them in the midfield and AC Milan needs to get things going in the final third but inter is playing fantastically in the midfield and it's making it very hard to get past them
1: yeah yeah very much so
0: so uh, you know we'll see how this one goes we might get a final by the time we're wrapped up here but uh, we'll see and um let's talk man City versus Real Madrid um, to, it'll be playing today as you're listening, uh, but tomorrow as we're talking about it. And I, I think that this one, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but now, you know, a day out, we have our, kind of our final thoughts here. I'm very excited for this matchup, first of all, but, uh, as well as that, um, this, this is huge. I personally think that the winner of the champions league is decided in this match, um, I'm kind of in that boat just with how these two teams have been. But having it 1-1 on aggregate really makes this an exciting match.
1: 100%. And uh, actually, for this, um, for this, I have a quote from uh, Carlos Ancelotti going into this game. And uh, he said, Today I'm very calm, excited, and with a lot of faith. Tomorrow, as I know, is a day of worry, bad thoughts. Holland is going to score. Broin is going to shoot from outside the box. But you have to think positive things. Vinicius is going to dribble, and Kareem is going to score in the box. I honestly don't think he could have really said that better. Um, I, I personally, and this is kind of you know me and my athletic mentality, or not my not athletic, my competitive mentality. I don't you know like Ancelotti saying that he's worried and and like you know the bad thoughts. I I, I would have liked for him to leave out that. But Holland will probably score. De Bruyne will obviously always shoot from outside the box. Vinicius is going to dribble, and Cream is going to be effective inside the box. So I think Ancelotti hit it on the head, really. I uh, I, I know Holland and Cream both didn't score in the first leg, and you know they've been kind of a lot of the offensive production in both of those teams. But I think we can see goals from both of them tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And uh, I'm looking at the probable lineup right now for Real Madrid. Kind of some big changes since leg one. Um, the The return of David Alaba and Antonio Rudiger into this lineup, uh, so we'll see, uh, most likely a back four of Carvajal, Militao, Rudiger, Alaba, and Alaba being at left back, sliding Kamavinga back into center midfield.
1: Interesting. And I don't know, man. Kamavinga's been so good at left back, though. I, I know. I would hate to change that.
0: Yeah, and so like the way it lines up uh, past the defense would be Cruz at right center mid. Kamavinga at center mid, Modric on the left, and then Vinicius, Benzema, and Valverde at right wing.
1: Interesting.
0: So, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I don't Rodrigo. know how I feel about that. I, I feel like, you know, you could still put Rodrigo uh, right wing over Valverde, but I understand wanting Valverde and all four or all three of the other midfielders in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I I think my problem with Rodrigo though is Rodrigo. Don't get me wrong. Very exciting. And when he's on, he can be very effective. But I personally don't think he is 100% ready to be a 100% starter in this Real Madrid starting 11.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: I personally, I like Valverde there a lot better than I like Rodrigo. Um, And the thing with Valverde at wing is you can, you know, when you're defending, he can come and add an extra center mid just kind of shade to the side that he's on. And whenever they attack, you know, he can drift out wide. So, I would, you know, I like that there, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I think it's very interesting to make this kind of change at this point. And I get it. You know, a 1-1 draw is not what you're going to be satisfied with as Real Madrid. And making changes is what you need to do, but Manchester City isn't changing a thing. So, you know, there's really no telling. It looks like Bernardo Silva is going to play on the right wing. I still think Phil Foden should be on the left rather than Grealish. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. But, you know, otherwise, I can't really complain. Holland, uh, Gudohan, De Bruyne, Rodri, Stones at CDM, and then the back three of Akanji, Diaz, and Walker. Yeah, you know, I don't have any problems with this lineup. I just still would like to see Phil Foden starting over Jack Grealish.
1: Yeah, I, I think I can agree with you there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um it's hard to it's hard to say to me or for me if I was a coach of one of these teams to change the lineup or not. Because, um, I mean, it was a 1-1 draw. There's going to have to be at least some tactical changes that are made, you know, uh, by both sides. But I don't know if I would necessarily change the personnel.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Um, I, I think kind of keys to victory-wise, what do you see as Real Madrid's key to, you know, changing things up since the first leg. I
1: said it in the first, uh, and you know, in our, uh, pre, uh, damn, I can't talk anymore. Recap to the first leg shit. If real Madrid can, they don't even have to score. In my opinion, if real Madrid can hold Manchester city to not scoring for, you know, let's say like 70 minutes. I think, I think Manchester city could find themselves in trouble if they don't score early on, basically. And, Real Madrid has the defense to, you know, keep Holland in check. Of course it is Holland and Holland has the ability to, you know, shit on Real Madrid's defense. That dude, that's why this fucking game is going to be so ridiculous. But yeah, to go back to what you said, the key for Real Madrid is not letting Manchester city score for a very long time.
0: Yeah. Uh, if they're
1: going to score, let them do it late.
0: I'm in the same boat. I think Real Madrid needs to capitalize on the defense here. The defense is going to win this, this game for them. And That's kind of the problem with it being one-one. Is that they have to play defensive because Erling Holland is staring you in the face, and I think counterattack is going to be Real Madrid's game here, because you know you can't just rely on Militao and Rudiger to handle Erling Holland alone and to handle this Man City attack alone. You need the help from Kamavinga dropping back um, and and Modric even stretching out wide. Like you need their help with everything that this attack holds from Man City because, you know, they could put up three in the first 10 minutes and all of a sudden it's gone.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, sorry. My sleeper draft just auto-picked for me, but it ended up being the player that I wanted. So Uh, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, Real Madrid are going to have to, you know, like I said, hold them to no goals for at least 70 minutes. And and also to your point, yes, counter would be very good for Real Madrid, but also just possess the ball. Manchester city can't score if they don't have the ball and Real Madrid definitely have a midfield. That's capable of, you know, keeping the ball through contact, making very crisp passes, making good decisions on where you're passing the ball. So uh, Real Madrid definitely, I, I feel like can take this, but City are just too hot, way hotter than Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, like Man City, it, it's hard to say. Like you know, their key to victory is is targeting Holland. That that's the best way to win is you just keep yeah. feeding him the ball because he's going to score if you just keep giving him chances. That's just how he is. So if you let Holland get one on one with Courtois, I'm taking Holland just about every time.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, that's no disrespect to Courtois, but Holland is genuinely just that good.
0: Yeah, and with the passing ability of Ilkay Gundogan and De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva and even Jack Grealish, like there's, they can target Holland from every angle. It doesn't matter how, whether in the air, on the ground, through balls. It doesn't matter what they have to do to get the ball at the foot of Erling Holland. If it gets there, you better be scared.
1: That's a good point, and it's something that we've talked about many times with Manchester City, and it's the way that they line up is. When, you're, when you play a three-back and add that extra center mid or striker, you know, depending on what three-back you run, on top of the fact that Manchester City don't really have any true wingers on their team, it's just a bunch of center mids, you're, you're exactly right, Grayson, is the passes for Holland, if played right, are going to be flying from all over the place, from the wing through crosses, you know, on the ground from the center. Like, it, it's just... The through balls are going to be coming, you know, from everywhere. Or at least that's, you know, that's how I would coach my team if I was Manchester City is just spam through ball.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, triangle or Y, whatever console you play yeah, on. Exactly. You're spamming that button. Maybe maybe hitting a little L1 or LT. Yeah. I've never played Xbox.
1: Yeah, I don't know what an Xbox is, to be whatever. honest with you. Whatever,
0: PlayStation guys right here. And, and I'm on yes, PC now, right. but PlayStation 4 controller. So... Yes. Um, yeah, I've been playing a lot of FIFA, like a lot of FIFA. <laughs> oh
1: man. I have a cool little fact uh, for you here. And this is uh, just, just insane, but it's honestly like, you know, after hearing this, you're going to be like, yeah, if Madrid progresses, it'll be their sixth final appearance in 10 seasons.
0: Holy
1: shit. In the UCL final. I mean, they, they've dominated it for, you know,
0: what they've won four in of middle those. School. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: insane. I believe so. They're ridiculous in the UCL.
0: Well, we'll we'll just have to see. But I'm kind of, I'm thinking, thinking Man City.
1: Ah, uh, I don't, I don't want Manchester City to go through, man. But they're hot. Um,
0: it's at the Etihad too. That's what makes it so tough.
1: Almost jinxed each other there. uh I'm gonna I'm going 2 1 Madrid. I mean the Champions League history is there, and uh, they're they're just as good as Manchester City. Manchester City are hot, yes, but Real Madrid can match Manchester City. Manchester City can match Real Madrid. It's just gonna be a good game.
0: I think that if if it does go down to penalties though, Real Madrid's taking it.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percenter.
0: All right. Let's talk about the Premier League. We don't typically get to do a weekend recap, but we are Excited. blessed enough to do it this week. And, um, a bunch of great games from this weekend. Let's start it off with Leeds versus Newcastle, a 2 2 draw. This is very surprising. I, I actually, did I call this? I can't remember. I think I called two draws last week. Mm. I can't quite remember. But either way, Newcastle, you know, they didn't have to have these points, but now they are, um, Tied with Manchester United on points at 66, though, a 22 advantage in goal differential. Um, but with uh, Manchester's, ugh, Manchester United's win over Wolves uh, this past weekend, they draw it even. And Newcastle has a tough match coming ahead of them as well uh, on Thursday against Brighton. So very important here to pick up some points for Newcastle if they want to hold third place. And with Liverpool, only a point behind. Liverpool on absolutely outstanding form. They've won at least their last five and they're only a point behind Manchester United and Newcastle. So Newcastle, this is a tough draw here with Leeds. but Leeds really needed even just a point because now it puts them at 31. They're in 18th place. They're a win or even a draw out of relegation. If they can change up the goal differential, which is only a one goal difference with Everton um, this is just what uh what a season it has been.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Um yeah, Leeds Newcastle, 2-2 draw, bummer, absolute bummer result for Newcastle. But to your point, Grayson, wow. I mean, Leeds, what a result for them. <laughs> and the goals coming from a center back and a right back for Leeds. I mean, it's just a perfect shithouse game for them. Um, the first goal. Absolutely perfect positioning from their captain, Luke Ayling, who plays right back, which is the position that I played. And the, the positioning on his goal was ridiculous. It, it, it is the perfect run from a right back. I mean, he just ran in, in, you know, into the back door, no pun intended, just threw everybody completely unmarked. No defender even had any clue he was there because he's the right back. And he just, you know, kind of follows up on a, on a rebound shot off of Nick Pope and it was a, uh, it was very good there. So, yeah, Leeds um, Le- Leeds played really well against Newcastle.
0: Yeah, uh, and, you know, Newcastle didn't really play bad necessarily. Callum Wilson with a brace, um, and then Nick Pope having a huge saved penalty uh, with Patrick Bamford shooting at him. Very, very interesting stuff. But I'm just – I'm kind of floored that Newcastle wasn't able to take this one away.
1: Me too. Um Yeah, Nick Pope needs to be, you know, probably considered as one of the better keepers in the prem. I think now is uh, after this season, he's just, you know, really just keeps getting better. Although Newcastle only scored two pins uh, and that was, you know, both of their goals coming from Callum Wilson, Newcastle were by far the better team. And and, I mean, Leeds' second goal at the end of the game was just some ticky tack, like defender shot it from outside the box and it takes like a double deflection or something crazy. Like, Le- Leeds honestly got pretty lucky with both of their goals, and you know, like I said, Newcastle is by far the better team in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and kind of crazy that Leeds played this well with Tyler Adams out um, with his hamstring injury. It-, it just kind of makes this appearance look even better, and um, I'd be pretty happy if I were Leeds with this result.
1: I would too. Yeah, it- it- and even if um, even if Newcastle let's say beat them three two, Leeds still put two past the best defense and. In- The prim,
0: yeah, and and next week, uh, Leeds faces West Ham, or so you know it's, it's not that bad of a matchup, and if they can get a win, they've got the opportunity to either draw Nottingham Forest on points with them facing Arsenal, or possibly pass Everton, um, with Everton facing Wolves. Wow. Dang. So this could be a huge weekend. For Leeds, if they can get the win over West Ham,
1: I, I'm excited for that final match day, man. Oh man, that's gonna be. I I mean, I'm gonna have to try to keep up with everything all at once.
0: <laughs> well, while we're talking about relegation and everything, Southampton uh, is officially relegated. Um, yeah, they're they're Summer. stuck there, which kind of sucks. But um, you know, we will get to see JJ Watts Burnley up next year.
1: You're right, and uh, Vincent Company's Burnley. He's the yes. manager. Yes. What a story that's going to turn out to be. I, I oh, hope yeah. they can stay up. That'd be cool.
0: Yeah, it would be awesome. But let's get to this second game, Aston Villa versus Tottenham. Villa takes it 2-1, a big result yeah, I think for Villa.
1: I may have predicted this one, I think. I, I, I know I predicted Villa to win, but I, I don't remember if I got the score right. Um, Harry Kane, man, I, I know he had the penalty there was an incident in that game where a Villa defender held the ball too long, turned his back towards his own keeper, so he's facing his keeper. The Tottenham player runs up behind and kind of does like a tackle through ball on the Villa defender, and it puts Harry Kane through. And in typical Tottenham, Harry Kane fashion, I don't give a fuck that he has 27 goals. Harry Kane, the shot is saved and it wasn't really a good shot either. So Harry Kane should have had two, and it probably could have ended 2-2. Um, another player from that game, Ollie Watkins, looks so nice. He he definitely could play for a uh, a bigger Premier League team. Um, but, I mean, he's absolutely fine on Newcastle. And uh, I wanted to ask you about this, though, Grayson. Spurs lined up with Richarlison on the right wing. I was, Tell me how stupid that is.
0: I was about to talk about this because, yep. first of all, Lisson has been fucking complaining about not getting playing time. They put him in the lineup, plays like shit. Like, obviously, not really his position. It's kind of like he kind of played right wing, kind of played more like right forward. Um, But it's still just, it's mind-blowing to me. Like, why why in the hell are you even, like, obviously, Richarlison wants to be in the lineup. But you got to put in, I'd say Kulisevsky over him.
1: I think he's actually hurt.
0: No, Kulusevski came in in the sixty-second.
1: Oh well, then yeah, I would have completely started Kulusevski over Richarlison Rich too. Um, yeah,
0: I I question kind of this whole setup here, uh, for Tottenham.
1: I I do too, and I'm uh you know going back to Richardson, like, you know maybe you could argue like a a player who's out of form, sure. Maybe try him at another position that he used to play in the academy or something like that, just to see if he can build some momentum. But also at the same time, why not play him where he can be, you know, familiar? Yeah, I, I understand that you have Harry Kane, but like, I kind of feel bad for how Rich Charlison was lined up in in this game.
0: Yeah, look, they easily could have lined them up as two strikers. On like honestly, and it, I think it would have worked out better. You could have put Huang Son more central. And just allowed Poro and Davies to be like full on wingbacks. so I think that would have worked out better uh, in this case. But I don't know. Uh, Ryan Mason with some interesting, uh, interesting ideas there.
1: Yeah, or um, or honestly, just bench Heung-Min Son.
0: Yeah, you could. You really I'm sorry, been, but I, I, I would have rather. I probably really would have rather like seen Ivan Perisic at the moment. Yeah, I, I
1: agree with you. Who knows? Maybe Son can come on when all the defenders are tired as a sub and be, you know, effective and build some momentum that way. But honestly, like, the way that Tottenham's been playing, see what happens when you bench him, honestly. It, it's been rough going for him. And I, I hate to see it because I do, as much as I hate Tottenham, I like Son a lot. But he he needs, yeah. uh, something needs to be done about him.
0: But I do want to talk a little bit more about Villa. Uh, one of their goals coming from Jacob Ramsey, the 21-year-old. It's huge. Uh, like just the and then Douglas Luiz, 25 years old, he scored a goal as well. It's kind of nice to see how well Aston Villa is because you know, for years and years, they're always bottom half, and they were just like every time they had a good player, you set him somewhere else, typically Manchester City. And I just, I'm glad to see that these guys are playing so well right now. You know, that was a big win, it puts them even on points with Tottenham. Only two two goals behind in goal differential. Uh, but Aston Villa next weekend, they run into Liverpool. Uh, Tottenham running into Brentford, which is also not an easy matchup. Brentford coming off of a 2-0 win over West Ham. So, I don't know. This is going to be a tough race, but, you know, at the same time, Brighton, they also have a chance to um, kind of hold sixth place.
1: Yeah, I like it. And uh, I'm a little bit distracted right now because uh... – I just turned around and noticed that Inter Milan have made it 3-0 on aggregate and the uh the the blue and black section of the San Siro Grace is absolutely Ooh. fucking rocking.
0: Yeah, and a, a absolutely
1: big... rocking. I mean, this is going to be their first Champions League final appearance since 2010 <laughs> when they did it with Mourinho and beat Bayern with the likes of uh, uh Diego Melito, who, you know, b- biggest Ballon d'Or snub of all time, honestly. Yeah. Um, and as much as I am, you know, more of an AC Milan fan, it, it's just very cool to see Italian soccer back up on the rise. Cause, uh, you know, it used to be kind of Juve dominated, but we've seen uh Lazio or not Lazio Napoli, AC Milan and Inter have done so well in the champions league. have done so well in the Serie A, and, uh, wow. Just what a moment.
0: Yep. Yeah, and Nicola Barella just got a yellow as well. Um, this has just been wild. A, a great chance just a couple of minutes ago by Latawa Martinez that set up the corner they're taking right now. But I'm I'm very happy with how Inter's played. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, like I, I said, I, they they
0: played it slow. They played defensively, but you can counterattack as much as you need. And and that's exactly what they did. And it got him a goal.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I'm right, uh, sorry, I was gonna say that they uh, no
0: worries. So um let's continue. Everton versus Man City. Man City gets a 3-0 win. It's that easy. Uh
1: there, you know, there isn't much to talk about with this game, but I, I almost wanted to bring it up earlier because I'm really excited to talk about this guy. All the viewers that are listening, it, it may just look like a 3-0, you know, Manchester City thrashed Everton, because that's what was supposed to happen. Go watch Ike Gundawan from this game. Holy shit. Holy shit is all I have to say. Yeah. Um first goal was just really fucking good I, I, it, he was like all back down and had to you know kind of do a Dzeko leg wrap around you know the defender scored and then two minutes later he crosses the ball to Holland who scores a goal and an assist in two minutes
0: yeah it, one. absolutely fantastic showing um, they let Kevin De Bruyne get the day off put Julian Alvarez at Cam and um, yeah I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with Manchester City right here and just kind of Goes to show that this team has quite the setup, uh, you know, ready for them in the Champions League because this lineup very different from what we're seeing in the Champions League. Like, you know, a four at the back, they have Manuel Akanji oh, playing left back. Off. It's
1: kicking off. Yep, here it is.
0: Oh, yeah, the fans are gone.
1: Sorry. Out. Uh, the I should probably because the viewers can't actually see what I'm seeing. Uh, Milan and Inter are now, uh, now fighting. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, shit. Uh, Oh. But uh, yeah, I it's I kind of feel bad for Julian Alvarez. He uh he honestly could have gone somewhere else and started.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Instead, he's just kind of a, another good cog in this you know ridiculous loaded lineup that City have.
0: I could see him moving this summer to another Premier League team, somebody that possibly needs some help in the attacking front, um, like one that's maybe up there near the top. Uh, I feel like you know maybe. Brighton. Brighton would be a decent landing spot for him. would like that. Um, you know, he could go to Aston Villa, but Ollie Watkins has a good thing going. You know, there is this one team that's in 11th right now that maybe one of us supports that could use a striker. <laughs> could could use a couple of things. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully they'll get uh, Victor Osimhen. Uh, yeah, I
1: almost don't even want him to leave Napoli, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love Aussie at Chelsea, but like, I also don't want to ruin what he's been able to accomplish and how good he is. Cause you know, the premier league can be a hard adjustment for some players. Some players will come to the premier league after having a ridiculous season and do absolutely nothing. So
0: it's true. But at least you guys have Mauricio Pochettino who said that he wants Aussie So,
1: yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about Pochettino is uh, our, our new coach next season yet, but, uh, I, I'm gonna, you know, keep my keep my mind open, and I think.
0: Fair enough. Um, all right, let's talk Arsenal versus Brighton. Brighton absolutely thrashed them three 0 It's kind of crazy, honestly. Uh, goals coming from uh, Inciso, or In- inciso, Undav, uh, and Estupenyan. Um Just a a fantastic showing from Brighton.
1: If uh, yeah, Arsenal have officially bottled it. Um, yeah. And. You know, there were a lot of people on Instagram, a lot of soccer podcasts that I follow that were like, you know, how is this a bottle job for Arsenal? Like, it's they are obvious. so good this year. It, it is pretty obvious. They they have finished second place, and Arsenal with Mikel Arteta and their young team, this is a fantastic season for them still. But did they bottle the league? Yeah, <laughs> they did. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, easily. Like, 100%. They, they were well ahead of everybody. It, it, like even just coming into the restart uh, after the Premier League or after the World Cup, and like, like they just randomly out of nowhere just skid after that loss to Man City in mid February. Like it went, it was like a draw versus Brentford, the three-one loss to Man City, and then you know a couple of pretty good games, and then like it, it just seemed like they slowed down. You know, three straight draws, and then another loss to Man City and it was over from there
1: yeah and I if I'm an Arsenal fan you know you still have a lot to be excited for I mean I'm you know as a Chelsea fan who hates Arsenal I'm curious to see how they can build off of this season who are they going to bring in who's going to stay who's going to leave um you know and what next season can hold for them because they've proven that you know An Arsenal team with honestly no stars, like no real big names can, you know, finish second in the Premier League. And I I think that's pretty impressive. So, you know, back to kind of what I said, Arsenal 100% bottled the league. But there are way more positives, I think, to come out of this season for Arsenal than just bottling the league. I know that sounds crazy, but like, I, I seriously think that there's a lot to look forward to if you're an Arsenal fan.
0: Yeah, like what we've seen from this lineup and just the players throughout it. It's fantastic. This is the season we needed to see out of Martin Odegaard, out of Bukayo Saka, even Aaron Ramsdale. Like, this is what we had to see from these guys. And Gabriel Jesus looked very good in his first season in red. Martinelli was very good this season. Like, these are all positives for the future. You just have realized now that there's some things to work on. I think, particularly in the midfield, I think, Grenet Xhaka. Probably should not be starting in the Premier League now at 30 years well, old. Actually,
1: I think he's on his way out. I think yeah. I got that notification either today or yesterday, but uh, he, he won't be at Arsenal next year. Yeah. Um. I, I yeah. think it's
0: crazy that Thomas Partey was not starting in this match over Granit Xhaka. Um, obviously, yeah. putting Jorginho in the lineup just kind of makes sense, but you know, hasn't been good you know, whatsoever. So, I don't know, man. It's just kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, and, and to talk about the game itself is, uh, before the first goal, this was, like, super entertaining. I mean, it was back and forth, box to box, um, physical as hell, and it just seemed like all the players in this uh, in this matchup on Brighton and for Arsenal were just striking the ball well, is all of the shots, and there were plenty, were just firm and, like, just hard as hell. Um And, you know, Brighton obviously struck first. And then Brighton's second goal was, like, complete just bullshit trash. I mean, Brighton got super lucky. And, you know, through that luck is it, you know, it made it 2-0. And at that time, you know, Arsenal were just kind of finished at that point. But, you know, to Brighton's point, or to Brighton's uh, credit, they've been absolutely fantastic. You know, this is a really good season for them. And a 3-0 win over Arsenal even in the skid that Arsenal is having, still super impressive for a team like Brighton.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. And just kind of what we've seen from Brighton all season is kind of just unselfish soccer. That's what they've done so well. Like, their top goal scorer is Alexis McAllister with 10, um, and then Pascal Gross at 8, and everything else is just kind of passed around. You know, everybody else is spread throughout, and, and... a fantastic season from Sully March, uh, a guy who, you know, really had no attention going into this season. Ended up third and third in goals, second and assists for this team. Well, tied for first and assists for this team. So uh, I'm very happy with what we've seen from Brighton. And I think they're a team that, you know, with the correct acquisitions this summer, could continue to stay on top.
1: Yeah, maybe even, you know, kind of make a run into the Europa League as well, if they can stay in that spot.
0: Yeah, and not just key acquisitions, but also retaining some guys because with you know a, a season like this you typically will end up losing a couple guys. I know Moises Caicedo has been a, a big one that people are eyeing in this offseason, you know, at 21 years old, somebody could throw a lot of money at you and you know whether you sell him or not, you have to address these, you know, big things with the squad.
1: Exactly. Um, that's a very good point that you just made is a lot of these, you know, e- either a big team in a non uh, and not a very big uh, league or a middle table team in a very big league. You know, you always got to watch out for whenever you have a good season because uh, the big teams are going to be calling and their agents, you know, the agents are going to be out there. So it- it's good to make sure that everybody is committed and wants to stay.
0: All right. Um, any, like, big matches this weekend or, you know, kind of through the rest of the week uh, that you're eyeing?
1: Um, Not really. To be honest with you, Grayson, I don't really know who plays. <laughs>
0: uh, So the, the biggest ones I've seen, so obviously Newcastle versus Brighton, uh, a big one, and Manchester City versus Chelsea is a big one because if Chelsea, you know, doesn't win, Manchester City will clinch the league title.
1: Ah, uh, ow. Uh, wow, what, what a what a great team to play if you're Manchester City right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, makes it real easy to lock it up.
1: I, I hate to say it, but damn. Um, Nottingham Forest and Arsenal could be a big one. You know, I think Nottingham Forest is one of those teams. Yeah, they're in 16th, and I mean, they could still get relegated. Um, yeah. but They're coming against an Arsenal team that is on a skid, so maybe they can get some points there. Uh, Newcastle and Leicester should just match up well. I feel like Tottenham yeah. Brentford uh, and Liverpool Villa for sure.
0: Yes. Yeah. Liverpool Villa is going to be a fantastic game to watch.
1: Yes, it will. Um, I honestly don't even know if I could really pick a winner there.
0: Yeah. Um, I I feel like I have to go Liverpool just with the form they're on.
1: Yeah. I like that. But Villa, Villa has looked good against the bigger teams uh, as of lately, I feel like. So who knows?
0: All right. Well, Let's get into top three, bottom three. Premier League jerseys, of course, same rules as the MLB, uh, only this season's jerseys. Um, So, Luke, I went first on the top last week. You get to go first on the top this week. Uh, I guess we can go ahead and get started. All right. um, I'm going to
1: take a team. I I, I feel like, you know, even with, like, doing the podcast and keeping up with sports a, a lot more, I never actually saw this jersey or seen them wear it, but the Bournemouth away jersey mm. is sick. Very good. It is so sick. It's got like um like palm tree leaves on the on the front with like this nice like purple bluey kind of like light blue like coloration. It's it's very, very nice. I really like this jersey.
0: All right. Yeah. I I'm I'm very stuck between kind of a few different options, but I don't know. I think I'm just gonna go with a, a little bit of an easier pick here. I, I gotta go with the Manchester United home jersey. I, I like it. It's the throwback look. You know, it reminds me of like George Best. And, you know, I, I couldn't I don't know. I think it just encapsulates like Premier League soccer when I think of it. Like this throwback, Manchester United, like really long time ago. Like this is what a, a soccer jersey was for the longest time. And I think yeah. that you know, kind of just as like a, an example and as an ode to such a fantastic era. Um, it's a fantastic jersey.
1: I was about to say is it, it's really cool to kind of call back to, you know, the golden age of Manchester United soccer. So I, I, I like that one, too. That was a good pick. Um, OK, I'm going to go Crystal Palace away jersey. I love how like they kind of have like the stripes down the middle. Yes. Um, uh, on like the white background, it just looks so nice, and it's really not even that crazy compared to some of the other ones.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because mine, I actually had two Crystal Palace jerseys in my top three, and it was the away kit and the third kit. I think the third kit's great. So, like the away kit is white with like the vertical, uh, stripe of like that kind of like scribble look. But the third kit is black with a diagonal stripe of that. It's kind of scribbled look. I think it looks fantastic. Even their home kit, too. Their home kit seems a little busy to me. It looks like one of those uh, cups. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like a cup you'd get, like a paper cup.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about. What? (laughs) You don't know what I'm talking
0: about? I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, like the paper cups that have like that kind of like faded color on them. You'd get them at like a, like they'd be like ones you'd see in like a bathroom at like a dentist's office.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about.
0: Okay. That's what yeah. that looks like to me. Just because like, I, I like the idea of the stripes with a solid background.
1: I like it. I like it. Um, all right. Well, you know, this wouldn't be a podcast if we couldn't be biased towards our own teams. I'm going to go with all of Chelsea's kits for my third one. <laughs> um, their, I, their home jersey got shit on a lot, but I, I, I don't really know why. It, it, it is plain, but like the lighter blue collar... So sick. Their away jersey, very, very, very nice this year. But my favorite, even though it has no, it, like the colors have nothing to do with the team, that khaki jersey is badass.
0: Yeah. love the khaki jersey. I think it's good.
1: Not badass.
0: No, I don't. But for my third of the top three, I'm taking the Everton home kit because I think they did Chelsea's jersey better than Chelsea.
1: Oh man, why why do you come after me on these now? Dude, First look, the Yankees, look, now Chelsea.
0: I, I'm just saying, all <laughs> Chelsea Chelsea's jersey is literally just Nike logo, Chelsea badge, sponsorship logo, nothing on a solid blue shirt. Okay? I'd rather
1: have three than steak
0: Okay, that's not the big deal here because Everton did the solid blue background, but they added the texture and, and like that little design, very minute design into that jersey. That's what does it for me. I like it. I I think it looks great.
1: I, I don't like it, but I like it. Um, <laughs> are we going to do honorable mentions yeah. now for the top 3? Uh Liverpool third kit. Uh very nice green with like the kind of um with the red. It, it's two colors that I don't really like think would match like if you told me if you try to describe to me what this jersey looked like I'd probably tell you that you know you're a lunatic but it actually looks really good
0: yeah and uh, my honorable mention would be the Wolves third kit I like it it looks kind of like a like Go Yard that kind of design um like the okay I like gray it gray jersey With the gray yeah. yeah and
1: I have two more um uh, Nottingham Forest third kit and then uh, I think probably my favorite out of the honorable mentions. West Ham's third kit, very, very cool take on what their colors are. I love it.
0: All right. Well, time to move to the bottom. But actually, before that, uh, Inter Milan has officially won, and they will be through to the UCL final. Yep. So let me get the bottom started. Um, You know, I already kind of tortured you with the Chelsea home jersey, so I'm not going to do that one. Um, I think I'm going to go... I'll be honest, the majority of my list of ones that I have here are third kits. Uh, I think a lot of teams fuck that up. But <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go with the Fulham away kit. I hate Fulham it. Fulham away kit. Let me... Yeah, I, I am not a fan. It, it, I'm a fan of um, even and symmetrical shapes. This one's just a little too out there for me. <laughs> like a little, the, little bit too confusing. It's like, it's got like speckles, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't look, it looks textured because it's almost like blurry. I hate
1: it. Oh wait, did you say the Fulham away? Yeah. Mm, I disagree with you on that one. I like that one. Really? Yeah, I I think it's a, the the textures are, the texture is weird, but the colors I like.
0: Yeah, I don't mind the colors. I I more mind like the the shape and, and the texture. I don't like it.
1: Okay, Um, I'm glad you didn't take mine because, in my opinion, this one is is just so far the worst. Manchester City's away jersey.
0: Oh, yeah, I understand that one.
1: Disgusting. And, and I mean, like, red and black is like, you know, every first grader loves red and black, you know, just the colors together. I love red and black. You know, Darth Vader, lightsaber, black black attire. You know, it, it looks badass. It's sick. But then you throw the yellow on here. Yeah. And it just makes no sense and it just doesn't look good at all,
0: in my yeah. opinion. I'm also not a fan of their third kit. It's not my pick, but I'm not a fan of like the it almost looks spray paint. Like yeah. Don't like yep. it. But um I think my second. Gonna go Actually I'm gonna go with one that was actually one of your honorable mentions. Um The Nottingham Forest third kit, I'm not a fan of. Once again, it's a shape thing for me and texture. I don't like the full jersey being this one kind of design. I think it would have looked better with like solid sleeves or just that design on the sleeves. That's what I like more. Um, You know, when when you do like this crazy geometric, you know, whatever, it, it needs to be balanced. And I don't like the whole kit being this design. Fair.
1: Fair. Um let's see. Uh I'm gonna go with Tottenham Away. Their okay. away jersey is just um they they kinda tried to copy Chelsea's home jersey from last year and it, it just didn't really turn out that well. I, I don't like, you know, their logo and the Nike check being in the center above the sponsorship, and I also don't like where the yellow is, like close to the neck. It's just not a good look to me.
0: All right. My last one, I'm kind of split. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with the Brentford third kit. Um, I'm just not a fan. It's almost like like I can't even explain what it is. just a bunch of random squares all over the jersey. And it just looks bad. Like It looks poorly done, I guess. It's supposed to look like, I don't know, like a glitch. I have no idea what this is supposed to be. I just don't like it.
1: Okay, fair fair um i'm torn between two right now man i think i'm gonna go with the nottingham forest home kit it's um just on the front there's just not enough going on for me you have your logo and then the sponsorship it's very kind of tiny and it's placed like you know like where your team's crest would go like on the top there yeah there's nothing else in the middle of the jersey. It's just, you know, just the red. And yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. The other one that I was torn with, but I'm actually kind of like, the more I look at it, the more I like it. just United's like neon green third kit.
0: Yeah, I-, I couldn't decide how, like if I liked it or not. Um, yeah. I- I'm not like, you know, I'm not on either side with this one.
1: Yeah, I'm not either. I I almost said that one, but I decided to go with Tottenham and Nottingham Forest. But by far, Manchester City is away. uh, That one's horrible.
0: Yeah, and then my only other honorable mention would be uh, Spurs third kit. I'm just not a fan. Like I said, I like symmetrical. Um, I'm more of a fan of solid color with texture rather than just a bunch of random shit thrown at a jersey.
1: I like it.
0: All right. Well... I think that's going to do it for us.
1: Yeah, indeed I do. I, I We uh, covered a lot today. I, I always think it's so fun when we can talk about like a live sporting event while we're recording. I, I love the fact that that game fun. was going on.
0: Yeah. And so I, I guess, you know, from here we have Real Madrid versus Man City tomorrow. So the Champions League final will be set. I believe that one's played June, mid-June. Um,
1: uh, I think it's actually like first week. Is it end of what? It's usually end of May or first week of June. Let me see. UCL final. Oh, it's in Turkey. You it's June 10th. Actually. Yeah, so June yeah, 10th, so so right. the
0: second week of June. I'm excited. You know, no matter who's there uh, against Inter, but um, you know, everything else wise, MLB, um, just a lot of stuff going on that I'm very happy about.
1: It, that, especially the MLB, man. It's uh, it, it's gonna be fun. Especially once we get closer to like All Star Weekend. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for that.
0: Yeah. Still got like two months till then, but I'm very excited. Yep. Sure. And then the return of Brock on Friday. It's gonna be very exciting.
1: Yeah. Make sure you all tune in. I I cannot wait to listen to him whenever he's back. It's yeah. gonna be great.
0: We're, we're gonna talk a little bit of college football for the first time in months. So, um, yeah. Be excited because it's coming. And um, as well, like we've said the last couple of weeks, be excited for the social media. Um, it is also um, gonna start ramping up a little bit. So uh, I'm very excited with where we're headed. I'm very excited with what we've done, and um, very excited about what we just did today. A great episode, Luke, and I, I thank you for being flexible coming on today.
1: Oh, well, you were just flexible as I was. Where we make a, we would make a great couple <laughs> in bed. <laughs> I had to address it. Talking about all this flexibility, there was no way I could let that go without having to address that.
0: Oh, my God. All right. Enjoy your time in Chicago.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be far away from you. I'm sure that might be a good thing after that, uh, yeah. After that comment. Yeah,
0: after that comment, I'm going to need some space. But, Luke, we'll see you next week. I didn't week. mean
1: to freak you out. I'm sorry. No. I'm, I, we can take things slow.
0: Yeah, you're t- you're going a little fast. But... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to just end up keep I'm just going to keep digging this hole deeper if I keep going. So, Luke, thank you. Enjoy your time in Chicago. We will see you next Friday and that's going to do it for us everybody. Peace.